listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, last week we celebrated Interfaith Week and I'm delighted to welcome on the programme today Rabbi Morris Michaels. Good morning to you, Morris. Good morning to you, Blair. Now, I know that you've participated in interfaith events for quite a long time. Why do you consider that to be an important thing for you to do? I think that the more we know about each other as people, uh, the more we can come together and resolve differences that we may have between us. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest problems we've got in our world today is the conflict that arises from people thinking of other people as the other. And if you know people, you can't regard them as the other. And so for me, it's always been for for many, many years, many decades really, uh, that I've been involved working with people from all different faiths, all different races, uh, so that we don't have those issues. We don't have those problems. Now, of course, locally in our area, this has been really important. And I know that last week on Thursday, you you had a special event. How did that go? It was excellent. Um, we had Reverend Ian, uh, Dr. Terry from uh, the uh, St. Peter's, uh, which is a, a parish church for Bournemouth, uh, and Imam Majid Jassin from the Islamic Centre and Mosque, and myself, uh, from Bournemouth Reform Synagogue, all talking about the impact of the coronavirus and how we actually had to deal with it within our own communities, our own congregations, to ensure that we retain the a sense of community, the spirit of community that's so important to all of our faiths. Um, how did we deal with it when people couldn't come into the synagogue or the mosque or, or, or the church? And what I found particularly fascinating was how each of us as faith leaders understood the needs of our own communities, which are very different. So, for example, uh, the imam uh, was telling us about the, the, the problems that they had with lots and lots of young people, young children, home from school, um, and parents not being able to go to work because they had to look after them and so on. Um, for, uh, for, for Ian Terry, it was very much a question of how do I ensure the, the, the spirituality needs of my community are met? Uh, and so he was busy each week uh, during this, these months. He'd been making a video of the Sunday morning services and and preaching to his to his people. So uh, so that's I mean amazing. For me, the demography of my community is that it's an aging community, um, and so I had to look after the fact that many of my uh, members live on their own. Uh, they're elderly, living on their own. Many of them without any access to Wi-Fi. Uh, so. All the emails that we send out and all the Zoom sessions that we were holding meant nothing to them. And so I finished up having to uh, put re- make recordings of our services, which we put onto CDs, and then got the CDs out to all of our members. So it, we, we all were facing very different situations, uh, but all came up with 
uh, I think, you know, quite ingenious, uh, you know, ways of dealing with them. Of course, we we live in a society which sadly is increasingly uh, intolerant. uh, And I guess that 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 makes coming together, particularly of you as leaders, all the more important. It it does. And, And one of the things that I was absolutely delighted to be able to do for that session last Thursday was to invite... Uh, Councillor Susan Phillips, Mayor of Bournemouth, to chair the panel. The reason I wanted to do that was because um, just before the lockdown started back in March, um, she had her civic service on her induction as, as mayor, and she asked me as her chaplain to ensure that other faiths were involved. She wanted, although it was going to be held in the synagogue and as uh, you know, her right was to have a Jewish uh, service. She wanted other faiths to be involved, and so it struck me that here was a civic leader, not just a faith leader, but a civic leader who recognised the importance of what we were trying to do. Um, and and so I was absolutely delighted, as I say, to invite her to chair the panel uh, because the Imam uh, Majid and and Reverend Ian were both part of her service. Now, of course, you mentioned COVID uh, a little while ago, and I guess that has presented, is presenting us with, with unique challenges, but it's been so encouraging. I'm sure you must be encouraged the way people from all the faith communities have pulled their weight, come together, and I, gre- I guess grown closer to each other as a, as a result. I think that's true. Um, the uh, Muslim community locally, for example, have been doing a huge amount of work uh, of a voluntary nature um, with people of all faiths um, because they're a younger community and so they were more able uh, to be not COVID-free but certainly less vulnerable and, and so they were able to get out and about and they've been working with the community as a whole which has actually been marvellous I'm sure because so many people will have seen their Muslim neighbours um, in a totally different light. Well, Rabbi uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining me uh, this morning and I'm sure that this work will continue to go from strength to strength. Thank you, Blair. It's a pleasure. 90.1 Hope FM. Well, that's a, a very appropriate track there. The World in Union, that's Liddy Smith-Black uh, Mambaza there. And also really good to hear that the church leaders in our area are working together. Of course, uh, we heard from uh, Rabbi Morris there. Now, uh, we're, or Rabbi Michaels, actually, now we're going to hear from the Reverend uh, Dr. Ian Terry, who's the team rector of, of St. Peter's Parish Church in Bournemouth. Good morning to you, Ian. It always is. So, uh, Obviously, when it comes to all things unity, working together uh, you know, as denominations, you, you've always been very committed to that. Where did that, that passion arise within you? It's, it's at the heart of my vocation to the Church of England ministry, that you work with everybody you can work with in your particular patch for the common good, for the thriving of everybody on your patch. And so my patch for the Church of England is Bournemouth Town Centre, and we're privileged to have a really vibrant mix of 
people who share the town centre, you know, the universities and, uh, and the council offices of Bournemouth Council, as it was, are there. Um, and we also have um, both the Reform Synagogue, which, you know, Rabbi Morris cares for, and the Orthodox Synagogue, which Rabbi Adrian Jesner cares for, and we have the mosque cared for by Imam Bajid. So amongst all the others, and many more whom I haven't mentioned, it's been my passion for many years, you know, to want to work with all these people and see what, how together we can work for the good of the town. And of course, it's that, as you say, working together. Very often, the, the people tend to focus, and sadly, through a lot of these COVID things, they, they focus on things that tend to divide, the things that we can't do together. But I guess that that makes it all the more important why we need to, to look and build on those areas uh, that we, we do agree on and can work together on rather than, than be divisive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did a research project last year um, on... Um on how churches can work together with partners for the common good, focused particularly on homelessness and one, all sorts of positive things came out. But the one negative thing that came out that we really have to learn from is churches and other groups of people who want to achieve good things for the community actually wanting to achieve those good things in competition with each other. Um, usually kind of covert competition i you know we we just sort of pretend not to notice that others are that others are doing the same things and we get on a bit more robustly doing our thing um and sometimes it is just a bit tunnel visioned sometimes it's a little unwholesomely about you know the glory of the particular person or persons you know who are leading that work and we so i've one of the clear messages coming out last week, not last week, it was um, the project, the, the, the research project focused on, on a day in April last year, April the 24th. One of the clear messages was don't work in what is effectively competition with others, albeit for good things. Ah, you know, because it, um, because it divides. And it makes uh, it makes it much less likely that you will achieve what you want because it's dependent upon collaboration. Now, obviously, you, you're working together all year round on that collaboration. And in fact, sadly, we weren't be able to go to the cenotaph this year. But that's one good example of where very often the faith groups come together as we jointly remember the, the fallen. Um, but there's lots of other things that you you get engaged with, isn't there? Right through the year. Well, we do. Um, we have um, Interfaith Week in, uh, last week, which was the cause of that um, a kind of webinar, that Zoom meeting that we did, is an occasion when we link particularly with, the Ab- with those representing the Abrahamic faiths, you know, Judaism and, and Islam, and uh, provide an opportunity when we can, well, for people in our congregations to at least take the first steps. And they're the very first steps, really, of actually seeing and hearing uh, leaders of other faith groups um, and being able to perhaps recognize them in the street and greet them. Um, And then, 
uh, and then the next step, I suppose. Uh, I mean, it is actually a big step for, for for representatives of other faith groups to come into the building and the worship community of um, of another faith. I mean, in the past, there's been conflict and aggression between them, and we're very glad that there isn't now that in Bournemouth, and we don't want that. We want friendship. Um, but those first few steps of treating each other respectfully, we hope, will lead to treating each other's different stories of what's led us to where we are, what's led us to believe what we believe, of treating them respectfully as well. So there's the opportunity of listening to each other. And there are some hard stories to hear there, so particularly from the perspective of the Jewish community, we work together um, at, on Holocaust Memorial Weekend. And, of course, Holocaust Memorial Weekend focuses on the mind-blowing reality of the six million-odd Jewish people um, who were killed in the Holocaust. However, it's also an occasion for minority groups um, for minority groups to be remembered, but remembered in a way that brings them to the fore and helps us all to be aware that usually it's minority groups who come out of things the worst because they're the ones who don't have the power. So, yeah, we collaborate on quite a lot of other things. We've collaborated on um, doing things in public to show that we work um, you know, with the mayor and the councillors and others for the good of Bournemouth, particularly. Quite a lot of stuff we've been doing together, yeah. Now, obviously, last week uh, you weren't able to meet in person, I guess, Zooming away or Teaming or whatever platform you were using. How, how did that event go? Were you encouraged by it? Yeah, really good. Um, I was really glad that Rabbi Morris organised it with Councillor Susan Phillips, the mayor, of course, a member of his congregation, the Reformed uh, Synagogue. And it was good to greet each other um, as people of faith. And that's part of what we contribute to the well-being of the town. We believe that fundamental to being human is spirituality. Um, In our case, uh, a spirituality focused on belief in the Abrahamic God. We all share that, um, the representatives of all three Abrahamic faiths. Um, and, um, and so we were able to share what it was to be communities of faith. We spoke about um, enabling our communities to pray together, um, but also to give basic human support um, and how we could be signs of hope in the community as well, it was a re- yes, it was a very uh, encouraging occasion. I enjoyed being part being part of it. Ninety point one Hope FM. My my special guest right now is the Reverend Doctor Ian Terry. He's a team rector of St Peter's uh, Parish Church here in in Bournemouth, but also very very active in a number of different areas. So good, good morning to you again, Ian. Hello again. Yeah. Now, obviously, we, we talked previously about Interfaith Week, uh, and I guess that, that the COVID challenges for, for everyone would have been presented, you know, 
particular uh, challenges, but also it, it brought together a real spirit of working together. As I mean, I was I was amazed. Something like two and a half thousand volunteers in our local area came forward, and many of those, of course, were from the faith communities. I, I guess that must have come up in your in your sort of Zoom meeting last week. Yeah, it, it did. It's one of the it's one of the very positive things that I think historically comes out of um, comes out of how faith communities, uh, particularly in our case, Christian faith communities, approach all manifestations of pandemics, um, pestilence, and plague, which have been around we know very well in abundance throughout the years. And I've been reading John Lennox's book. Where is God in a coronavirus world? And John Lennox makes the case going back to the first few centuries of Christianity that when the world was beset by plague, Christians were out there caring for others. Uh, I mean, they were suffering themselves in doing so, but they were out there caring. And this attracted many people to the church because it quite straightforwardly in human terms of human instincts it, it, it felt the absolutely right thing to do now we've experienced that again during this uh, this year of pandemic i mean you mentioned a book stories from the streets and i have another book also of that name on my shelves by a church of england priest called david dixon who's worked with homeless people and done a and done a study on it, out of which the book has come in Exeter. And he was somebody I consulted quite considerably about the work that I was attempting to coordinate here in Bournemouth, um, particularly so that as we worked as volunteers and with the council, um, we could make sure that we listened to those stories of homeless people on the streets together, we listened together to those stories and that we weren't just in the position of power, albeit benevolent power, um, of saying what should be done, but that we began by showing respect to people and listening to their stories. And it has been a really good thing that members of different faith communities working together with very many other volunteers and the council managed to use funding that was uh, that was delegated from the Westminster government um, and we got um, more than 300 people off the streets into hotel and bed and breakfast accommodation during the first lockdown and are looking to more permanent ways of addressing the social scar the social wound that is homelessness. Do you think that some of the things, the very positive things that have been learned during these challenging days will be enduring in some ways, Ian? Yes, I do. Um, Partly and fundamentally because because we've learnt it's not just it's not just head knowledge that we've learnt, although we have we do know better than we used to but we it's understanding of the heart and its relationships at the center of things we've learnt to to trust and 
others who are working on similar things from different angles. And that's quite an important beginning, actually, to not just go it alone and say, well, you either join us or, you, or as far as we're concerned, you know, um, you, you're not part of it. But, yeah. to, but to actually trust that people, that there are many different respect-worthy ways, equally respect-worthy ways at which you can go at something. Um, so th the relationships are in place. And we feel a bit easier, I think, with each other's differentness. Than we, and we're not so much wanting to, to try and crush it all into one mould and say, well, it's all about this, really, isn't it? Because, no, it's not. God's made us all richly diverse, more diverse than we can usually cope with. Hmm. And it's really, you know, um, thank God that God isn't limited by the church or by one form of the church, you know. Ah, uh, and it's for us to wait in awe on God and on the differentness of each other. And we have, I believe, learnt a big lesson, and which, we're, which is an ongoing one, not just the one I've just spoken about, about getting into mutually trustful relationships with the others whom we would, we would be working with, but thinking of those for whom we would be working, those people who are homeless, regarding ourselves not just as working for them, but working with them, so that they are partners with us. And I mean, a research principle in terms of research ethics is not about me without me. That you should always, if you're going to try to research a particular group of people, but most particularly a minority group who are inevitably you know, um, lacking in power, you should always um, involve them fundamentally in all the decisions about how you look to best meet their needs and how their needs can be understood as our needs as a wider society. So it becomes about us. We begin. We stop talking about our, about us and them, and we begin to more celebrate the diversity of us, and to look at the pragmatic ways, the very practical ways in which we have to flex our ways of operating as us because of each other's differences. I mean, obviously, in terms of COVID, and I guess in life, we see the very best in people, but sadly, we also see uh, the worst as well. What do you reckon are the main barriers when it comes to working together as interfaith groups? The main barriers, um, I, I think a difficulty that we all of us as faith groups have to work with is that our first priority is very often seen as both um, individual piety, yeah, um, so uh, working to help upbuild the faith of each individual in our group, and then faith individual faith community coherence, yeah, keeping the faith community together as, a, as an entity. And they're both good things, <laughs> and, and I do a lot of them. Um, but but um, they get uh, they are not about necessarily looking outwards and saying, 
we're about being the hands, the feet, the heart, the mouth piece of a God who's trying to spread love everywhere, not just in our individual hearts, not even just in our particular faith community. Um, but, but, but we are the agents of a God who wants God's love spread everywhere throughout the entire community. Um, so the difficulty is getting people to, th uh, to, to think not only of themselves and not only of their faith community. Um, and because of inevitably limited time, energy, and finance, um, people can think, first of all, about of keeping their faith community together, particularly if there are quite a few members of their faith community who are a bit elderly and who themselves, faced with lockdown and, and all the sadnesses and threats of, of COVID-19, you know, um, are in need of personal support. So it can be, firstly, let's support each other. And I've done a lot of that. I, I wrote three times round, for, by, in my own hand, cards to each member of our, of our church community. Um, I've made phone calls, and st I'm still doing that. I've got a list of them to make later today. To people who are, you know, particularly, I think, would appreciate such a call for a variety of reasons. However, those activities which are very proper and necessary can too easily consume all our time and energy and add on to that those of us who have church buildings to be responsible for and i have the joy and delight in the town center of having three listed buildings st peter's and st stephen's are both grade one listed st augustine's is grade two listed that they're marvellous in which to hold worship and to host all sorts of events in the local community, and they cost a heck of a lot of money to keep standing and to keep functional. And so apart from caring for each other, keeping the buildings in good condition, which is what part of our stewardship, also consumes a lot of what we're about. Hence the caricature, which is so often at risk of becoming more of a reality, of the church being more focused on maintenance than mission, maintaining its community, maintaining its own spirituality, and maintaining its buildings, that a combination of really good things is at risk of taking us over and preventing us being uh, putting significant amounts of collaborative time and energy into being the, the caring hands, eyes, and heart of Jesus out there in the local community. Yeah. Well, finally, in looking forward, obviously we're shortly to enter the Advent season. I guess one of the busiest times of, of the year for yourself. Uh, how are plans going for St. Peter's? Like, will you? I mean, I guess some of those plans are held a bit in abeyance because we don't quite know what's going to happen after lockdown. But uh, I guess uh, you're working hard to, uh, to, to make sure that there are things in place. Yes, absolutely. So we're hoping that people will be back to church um, for services on Sunday the 6th of December um, and St. Peter's um, and St. Augustine's will have 10 o'clock communion services that morning and St. Stephen's will have its 10.45 Mass and St. Peter's will have a 4 p.m. Advent carol service that day. 
focusing on light emerging from darkness. It's a perennial theme, of course. It's the midwinter theme, and, it, and it's particularly apposite um, for the church shining God's light of hope in the midst of the darkness of this pandemic and the darkness of all the uncertainties and fears that are around at the moment. Us being able to say in Advent, um, as we've been saying to encourage each other and to be outward looking and to help us all to be outward looking, these, um, the suffering of the pandemic and it's enormous and awful um, and the uncertainties and the fears and the change of everything we've taken for granted are massively something with which we ought to be out there and, and working together to care for others about, massively something we ought to be concerned about. Notwithstanding that, they are penultimate concerns, because the ultimate concern for us is the relationship that we have with God, not just as individuals, but take it the other way around, the relationship through joyful creation of the whole cosmos, that God has with all life on earth. So the ultimate cause for hope is the relationship that God has with all life on earth, which is dependable through and beyond lockdowns and pandemics. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.